Hey everyone, it's your girl Dion Anderson, the admin comms and engagement lead at Race Reflections. I'm jumping on today to talk to you all about the talk. Basically, my interest has peaked to talk about this, which for me is just part and parcel of my life um, and my childhood memories. But it was brought to the fore recently as I attended the book launch of a friend, Pia Joy, her first book published by Penguin Books called Motherland, talking all about race, identity and everything that she has learned herself as a child and also becoming a mum of a brown child. Now, what I found particularly interesting was at the book launch, there were three people on the panel, Priya, a friend that was also of South Asian descent and a mutual friend of ours, Sally, who is a white woman but raising a mixed race child. Now, none of the South Asian women had ever had the talk that they could remember in their childhood, which I found wildly surprising. And it led me to think a little bit about how black and brown bodies kind of differentiate from birth, from early childhood, in our experiences and our exposure to what we expect or are taught to anticipate when going out into the big wide world. I wonder if that impacts at all some of the figures around attainment between Asian communities and black communities that immigrate to the UK. I also wondered if that impacted the income statistics where we see Asian families often earning more by the pound than African Black Caribbean descendants in terms of their overarching socioeconomic income. They were just some points to me that stuck out, but ultimately I started to think about how having the talk happen in my home and what kind of effects it had on me and how I presented in the workplace as I started to grow up. I'll also present, I guess, and build relationships and foster those good stakeholder relationships with people that I went to interview with, that I worked alongside and not only managers. So I don't remember having the talk so much in terms of words. What I do very clearly remember is my mum and dad sitting my sister and I down to watch Roots. Now, for many people in the UK, the context might be slightly different to our black peers in America. I feel like the discussion is always very kind of American-centric. We very often overlook the nuances of how young people, how children are exposed to racism, uh, microaggressions in their infancy and how that might shape and form who they later become in the workplace. I don't particularly remember understanding what I was being shown. I remember a feeling of shock of seeing black people in chains and I remember the shock of seeing white people being so aggressive and so dominant towards the black people and kind of this realisation that we could be considered as property. And I guess that started to inform or open my eyes about the nature of the balance or the imbalance in our societal environment, particularly at school. I remember another day having an incident with somebody in my class, this was in early primary years, so we're talking about maybe seven or eight years old, where I was called a racial slur, something that isn't even typically associated with somebody of my race. But my white best friend at the time stepped in and retorted with what she thought was a very clever comeback, 
basically talking about the social economic status of the person that had delivered this racial slur to me. I can't remember much of what happened. I think conversation was had with all parties concerned by the teacher, but there was no further exploration as to why what either party had said was hurtful or that it was something that was, you know, a more kind of pervasive problem. I remember you know, my mum and dad having conversations that me and my sister were maybe not privy to a little bit more around the workplace and the environments that they had to navigate in order to get ahead. And I guess that kind of set the tone for me as well and my sister. We have quite opposing styles (laughs) of dealing with authority, I would say. And I found myself often in the workplace trying to code switch to fit in basically and toe the line ultimately when in a place that is predominantly filled with white people. Always cautious about speaking up, always cautious about giving an opinion. I've been written up on more than one occasion for having too much to say or the tone or delivery of what I've said in team meetings. And so I just wondered about what other people's experiences are of having the talk, what they remember about it and how that has later informed their opportunities or the things that they've even gone for. I would say it's definitely affected my confidence. That's something that I'm really trying to work through right now. I took maternity leave towards the end of 2022 to have my second child. But before I did that, I invested in a coach and it was a black coach. And I was very adamant. I had my sights set on wanting a black coach to help me push forward with my business and what the evolution or manifestation of that business could look like through the eyes of a black coach. I think very often we see success looking like somebody that isn't us. We hear, you know, and see people get ahead, um, people that are successful ultimately, and they are very often white. That is obviously changing, I guess, in terms of the European context, I would say, presenting more black and brown bodies as successful. But also, I think how we perceive what success is and disassociating it with money or income is a big movement right now. And actually, I was listening to a podcast yesterday by Iman Ismail. She is an email strategist and copywriter, somebody that I actually studied from and trained with a couple of years ago when she launched her first round of coaching for aspiring copywriters. Now, she is somebody that is tearing up the rule book when it comes to being a black business owner. She self-identifies as a black Muslim woman. And she posed the question as well around how she was going to present herself and also finding the confidence to present herself as a hijabi wearing woman and really having concern, I guess, or being told by some of the coaches she had in the early days to not put any pictures of herself on her website for fear of losing out on business. Now, ultimately, she made the right decision in not doing that and understood that if anybody was going to work with her and they were going to be the people that she actually wanted to work with, then they sure as hell wouldn't be bothered that she was wearing a hijab. She's now doing incredibly well, continuing to build her business, but also 
something that is crucially important to me. She's doing it in a way that gives her balance in her life. She's not working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks, burning herself out. She's made time and had multiple breaks to have her children and enjoy time with her family as they grow. She has talked recently about the fact that she had a six figure year last year, even having seven months off out of the year after her second child. And for me, that's a huge win. I feel like all too often we're pushed to only understand or accept one definition of success. And actually it's very broad, the spectrum of what success is for us. And as she was talking about to the guests at the time, some people's aspiration and dream is to be a millionaire. You know, some people's aspiration and dream is simply to work for themselves. Some people's aspiration and dream is to make six figures or it is just to earn what they were earning while in the workplace, but earning it on their own merit, on a schedule that suits them and that allows them the flexibility and the freedom to ultimately be themselves. That is a big lesson for me and something that I'm really holding on and trying to integrate into how I step forward and returning from maternity leave while going to look for new clients. I've always struggled in terms of the presentation of who I am online. And part of that, I guess, is to do with the talk that I had when I was seven and when I was eight, when my parents were starting to explain to me about the way the world would perceive me and also showing my quote unquote best side and putting my best foot forward, being polite towing the line, saying yes and no, and not really causing too much of an upset in any environment that was in for fear of repercussions, because I was one a woman and two black. So all of these things have continued to really shape and form who I am in adulthood. And although I recognise them, it's incredibly hard to unpick all of that work and start to tell a new narrative about who I am and what my potential is and that it is uncapped and unlimited, but also changing the worldview of my relationship with money, appreciating that money has a place and that actually isn't dirty and it isn't bad and that I can want money and I can want to be successful, but also that the shape of my success isn't only defined by what my yearly turnover is and my profit. I'm a proud mother of two, a lover of good food, a lover of social experience with my friends, with my family, with my peers, and all of those things are to be heralded. I'm really here in 2023 celebrating the soft life and I hope all of you are as well. I'd love to hear a little bit about how having the talk either with your own children or that your parents had with you has helped to inform and shape who you are today. I just wanted to jump on and have a little conversation about that because I think it's one of the big things that we fail to do is really do the work, the inner work, talking to our inner child and reflecting on some of those experiences we've had in our formative years and exploring how they come to shape us but how we can also redefine that narrative as we embark on our adulthood journey as well. Subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to send us queries, questions and dilemmas to be reflected on, please email at work at racereflections.co.uk.